Welcome to Leading the Way, a ministry of Brooklyn Baptist Church in Chesney, South Carolina. Join us each week for practical preaching and foundational truth of God's Word. Here's the pastor of Brooklyn Baptist Church, Clay Collins. Thank you for listening to the broadcast today. Our prayers at the song and sermon will be a help and encouragement to you as you listen. Today on the broadcast, we're going to feature a song by our adult choir entitled, I'm Standing on the Solid Rock. Then we're going to go right into the message, and this message is from Luke chapter number 15, the great story of the prodigal son coming home. And this message is going to be entitled today, What Will It Take to Get You Back Home? So get your Bibles open, Luke chapter number 15. Hear the song by our adult choir, and then God's Word preached today on the broadcast. Number 15, I want to bring you a thought, a very familiar passage of Scripture, Luke chapter number 15, and we're going to find the story of what is called the prodigal son, and uh, I know the word prodigal is not mentioned in the passage, but the word prodigal means two things. The word prodigal means one that has went and wasted everything he has, and also one that goes and returns, amen? And in the passage, you'll find both those things true about the younger son in our passage, and here we are on Father's Day, and I want to look this morning 
at this family here in Luke chapter 15. When you come to Luke chapter 15, you'll find in verse 1 that the drew near unto Jesus those publicans and sinners to hear him. And I want to tell you, I'm sure glad that God welcomes sinners to hear him. Amen. I'm telling you, it's faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I'm glad one day I heard the message of the gospel. And I'm glad I realized I was a sinner, I was lost. And I got saved, amen. Got born again in the family of God. Verse 1 tells us that drew near to him was those publicans and sinners, those rebellious, sinful people. Verse 2 tells that the Pharisees began to murmur and those scribes and began to mock the fact that he receiveth sinners and eateth with them, amen. And Jesus begins this parable. And in verses 3 through verse 7, we have the parable of that lost sheep. Verse 8 through 10, the parable of the lost silver or the lost coin. And then in verse 11 through 32, we have the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son story. It's interesting in Luke 15, the, the differences in these passages, but yet they all have some common ground. That is that there is rejoicing when one that is lost is found. Amen. Say, preacher, why in the world are you standing to your feet with your hands in the air? Why do you say amen? Why do you get excited? Why do you smile? Why are you more than just a spectator? Why are you participating in worshiping God? Because the Bible is very clear that we rejoice not that the demons are subject unto us, but rather rejoice that our names are written in heaven. I've got something to rejoice about, amen. I'm not rejoicing in who's here this morning. I'm not rejoicing in how big of a church we have. I'm not rejoicing in whether everything went the way I wanted to or not. I'm rejoicing because I've been saved by the grace of God. And I have a testimony that I once was lost, but now I'm found. In verse 3 through 7, you find there was the 90 and 9 sheep. And one, one of the 100 sheep, that one went away. Amen. We find in verse 8 through 10, the parable of that that lost coin. There were ten coins and one of those coins was found missing. And they searched after that coin. But in verse 11 through 32 there are only two sons. Amen. Notice the percentages as it begins to grow. Amen. In verses 7, 3 through 7 we deal with the sheep. In verses 8 through 10 we deal with that silver, that coin. But in verse 11 through 32 we deal with a person. Amen. I'm glad he's interested in sheep. I'm, I'm glad of that. I'm glad he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm glad he's interested in our money and our coins. But I'm glad that's not the end of this parable. I'm glad he's also interested in sinners. Amen. And I'm glad we have a loving and a forgiving father this morning. Amen. I want to begin reading in verse number 11. Luke chapter 15 and verse 11. The Bible said a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. He divided unto them his living. Not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. There wasted his substance with riotous living. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. He began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, talking about the far country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. 
When he came to himself. Aren't you glad for that day you came to yourself? Amen. Hallelujah for that. I'm glad that God knows how to open the eyes of our understanding and show us where we really are. Amen. With him. Hallelujah. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and despair, and I perish with hunger? I will arise, go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. It's interesting, his pride and self-esteem was no longer there when he came to himself. Hallelujah for that. I think this, think what happened, this prodigal needs to happen to some of us. Amen. No more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He arose and came to his father. When he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, hallelujah, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted cow and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. And his elder son was in the field and as he came and drew nigh to the house he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. I think our churches are filled with a lot of elder brothers. Amen. And he answering said unto his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, Neither transgress I at any time thy commandment, yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meat, or it was proper, it was in line that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Let's stop in our reading. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Pray for us and pray with us if you will. Our Father which art in heaven, we humbly bow before you, Lord, on this Sunday morning. What a joy it is, Lord, to be back in your house. Thank you for, Lord, what you've done already in this service. God, I've been encouraged. I've been rejoicing and thanking you for the wonderful things of God that you've done in my heart. But I pray if there's one today that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, they've never been regenerated, never been born again, I pray you convict them, hang them out over hell, show them their lost condition, and I I pray today they'll get it settled and get born again. I pray, oh God, thank you for the souls you've been saving. Thank you for those who've been submitting their lives in obedience unto you. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit of revival that we felt around here. God, I pray for liberty now just to rear back for a few moments and preach. Lord, would you strengthen my voice, strengthen my physical body, uh, preach me in the power and glory of God. Lord, give us boldness and a backbone and a burdened heart to stand and preach the truth in love and 
God for whatever you accomplish and whatever you do. We're going to thank and give you all the praise in Jesus' name we ask. Amen and amen this morning. I want to deal this morning with this very familiar passage. I preached out of it probably more times than I can count on one hand. But every time I get in it, the Lord just begins to stir my mind and heart towards something different out of this passage. I was thinking about this passage even as it was referred to this week during our revival meeting. The preachers at different times made mention of different things alluding to this passage about the prodigal son. But one of the things I want to focus on uh, today is that father of this passage. In fact, there's really three different people in this passage that are highlighting. We have the prodigal son, which is the most famous person that is talked about in this passage. We know the prodigal son, and we see all of what he wanted in the beginning, and we see how he went into the far country, and yet God brought him back. And we see the forgiveness and all those things. We also see not only the prodigal son, but we see the perfect father. We see a great perfect example of a father in this passage. You say, preacher, why do you say a perfect father? Because this father in this passage is typified to us as our God and how he is forgiving toward those that come back home from a life of sin. Then we see lastly the third person of this story in verses 25 through 32 is going to be that pharisaical son. Amen. That elder brother that stayed home, but yet his heart was really in the far country, I believe. And so as we look at this story this morning, I want to look at this thought, and I want to say this morning, I sure am thankful for a goodly heritage. I sure am thankful uh, that I have good earthly parents. But Brother Everett said it best, I'm glad though when our earthly father is gone, our heavenly father is still seated on the throne. Amen. I'm glad though whatever happens in this life, concerning your physical family. I'm glad we have a father that cares. I'm glad we have a father that knows. We have a father that is willing to forgive and to cleanse and to help and with open arms is ready to embrace us as we come unto him. Amen. We see in this passage this father was a father that was fair. Fair. F-A-I-R. This father was willing to give to both of his sons the inheritance here. I'm thankful for parents that are fair to their children. Amen. Preacher, what do you mean? What I mean is this child did not, this daddy did not favor one above the other. And I'm glad our God in heaven does not favor one of us above someone else. Though we all are part of the body of Christ, though we all are a part of the family, we all have different roles, we all have different responsibility. I'm no more important in the eyes of God than you are. And in order to be that way even in the church, but sadly, we've gotten to where it's all about elite systems and who's the greater and who's got the titles, but that's not that way in God's eyes. I'm glad the ground is level at the foot of the cross. You may be here today and your family wants nothing to do with you and other people want nothing to do with you and the churches may let down their nose at you, but I'm glad our Father is fair and He's willing to forgive and to save and to help you no matter what's going on in your life. His father was fair, but this father was also forgiven. I'm glad no matter what you and I do, I'm glad there's forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
This boy wasted his substance. This boy done so much in his life. This boy had a weird past. I mean, this boy was raised right and he went away from what he should have, but yet the father was willing to forgive him. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad our God is willing to forgive? First John chapter 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes we have trouble forgiving ourselves. Sometimes we have trouble uh, acknowledging other people forgiving us and we think nobody's going to forgive us. Nobody will ever let me get over that. But I'm going to tell you one that will let you get over it. Amen. I'm glad when you confess that sin, it's under the blood of Jesus. Christ and you can be forgiven and set free and it'll be gone hallelujah hallelujah I'm glad for the prodigal son I'm glad for the perfect father and I'm glad for the pharisaical son that we can look at and get some help from in the word of God this morning but what I'm really interested in this is what God began to stir my heart about as I was studying this passage it's just and I want to preach on this thought and it's really a question that I want to answer this morning that is this what will it take to get you back home? What will it take to get you back home? I want to say this, we have had a tremendous revival meeting. I believe honestly we've saw revival. I've been praying and I've been asking God all week and over the last months, God please send revival. Well I'm here to tell you this morning he did. And if you didn't get help it's your own fault. Amen. If you were not here it's your own fault. If you missed out on it it's your own fault. Don't blame anybody else because God sent revival. But I want to say this, it's sad that there are no doubt some here even this morning and some that are not here this morning. I guess too much church for them in a week. But I will say this, it's sad to me that many was under what they were under this past week and yet they're still not back home with the Father in relationship with Him the way they need to be. I'm, I'm honest. It's so sad to me that some people can be a spectator and never be a participator. It's so sad to me that some people can sit with the glory of God and dripping from the chandeliers and chew bubble gum and blow bubbles and act like God's not in a million miles. It burdens me and it bothers me. Amen. But I want to tell you what's it going to take to get you back to the Father's house. Amen. I want to tell you in this story, I want us to look at three things that it took to get him back home. Number one was a large famine. A large famine. Preacher, what did it take? Well, let's look in the Word of God. The Bible said in verse 12 that this prodigal son, this younger son, had a desire and he went to his father and he began to ask for what, what falleth unto him. When you study the word of God, you're going to find that the elder son was to get two-thirds of that inheritance and that younger son was to get a third of it. And it appears that the father was fair as he divided unto both of them what belonged to them. It also appears that this prodigal son wasted everything he had. He probably got the lamp. He probably got the gold. He probably got all the belongings and all the great treasures and heirlooms that was given unto him. And he sold every bit of them. And we don't know how long after he got his inheritance, but he got all of his stuff together. And the Bible said in verse uh, number 13 that not many days after the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country. 
We see his departure in verse 13. We see here that he departs and he goes into a far country. And I want to tell you this morning, church, the far country is not very far from any of you and me, myself included. Oh, preacher, we're experiencing revival. Couldn't nobody do this? Wouldn't nobody do that? Let me say this morning, you may be sitting here after a week like we just had, and the far country is in your view too. Amen. Oh, preacher in revival. Oh, yeah. This, this boy was in a perfect household. Everything seemed to be fine, but he wasn't content with where God wanted him to be. And there's a lot this morning you're not content with what God's doing in your life. You've got your eyes on the world. You've got your eyes on everything hell's got to offer. You've got your eyes on everything the world's throwing your way. You're sitting here this morning in body, but you're not here in spirit. All you're worried about is the next TV show. All you're worried about is the next buffet. All you're worried about is the next uh, fancy outfit or fancy pocketbook or fancy hunting rifle or fancy truck you can get. Your eyes is on the far country. And what's it going to take to get you back to the Father's house? I want to say this morning, I want to stay at home, amen. I want to stay at the Father's house. I want to stay in the will of God. It ain't worth it to go to Sodom. It ain't worth it to be like Jonah and end up in the belly of the well. It's not worth it to walk away from everything God's given you. Don't get pride in your heart and think, boy, I deserve something. You deserve hell just like I deserve hell. But a loving God was willing to give us his best and willing to give us his son and save our never dying souls from a devil's hell. Hallelujah, amen. We see his desire, we see his departure. We see not only his desire and departure, we see his distance. He went to a far country. You know what the desire of this son was to do? Just get as far away from home as he could. You know what some people's desire this morning is? Just to get as far away from this kind of stuff as they can. Oh, they don't care what city it's called. They don't care the population of the city. They don't care about who's there and who's not there. All they want to do is get as far away from what we're experiencing this week as they can. I'm telling you, it's not worth it. It's not worth it, amen. Go on record this morning that someone's trying to warn you. The far country has nothing to offer you, amen. But God has everything to offer you, hallelujah. Amen. We see his distance and we see his destruction. He wastes his substance with riotous living. In fact, the Bible said in verse 30 that he devoured thy living with harlots. His substance was destroyed. His substance was devoured. Everything he took to the far country, it stayed there. Let me say something to the family members sitting here today and to moms and dads. You might go to the far country and you might also lose everything you've got in the far country. Think about the story in the book of Ruth. Oh, listen, Naomi, uh, listen, she went to that far country, but she lost her husband, and she lost her two sons. We find the prodigal son. Listen, he goes to that far country with his third of his father's inheritance, and he wastes every bit of that, and he does not return with any of that stuff he took. So I'll preach, I'm going to go to the far country. You might leave your testimony there. Preach, I'm going to go to the far country. You might leave your children in that far country. You, you old preacher, I'm going to go to the far country. You might leave your wife in the far country. You might leave your job in the far country. You might leave your family in the far country. It ain't worth it going to the far country. Amen. Preacher, what are you saying? The Bible said in verse 14, when he had spent all, 
Everything he had was devoured and destroyed and dispersed. He got to the end of himself. Preacher, what will it take to bring you back home? It could be a large famine. Notice what happens here. Can I tell you this? The Bible said when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine. That's why I'm calling it a large famine. This is not just any type of famine. This is very common in the eastern parts there. If one year things maybe went south with the crops or one year things went south with the rain and things were not the way that they used to be, I mean a famine could happen very easily. Can I tell you this? You might be sitting there this morning thinking you're doing pretty good because you've got a stimulus check one bad day in your life could drain every bit of that. Oh, preacher, I'm doing good. I got self-employment. Preacher, I'm doing pretty good. I got an economic uh, payment relief plan. Preacher, I'm doing pretty good. I've got a new car. I've got a new house. I've got a new truck. I've got a new boyfriend. I've got a new girlfriend. Things can change quickly in your life. Amen. We noticed a large famine. And I want to say this. I believe it was of the Lord this famine happened. I believe it was. Had it not been for the famine, he'd never gotten back home. See, sometimes we look at life and, man, I, you know, we whine, we complain. I mean, we grumble. We look at everything that happens in life as, boy, it's just the worst thing that ever happened. It could be God's using that to get you back home. Imagine what would have happened in the life of the prodigal had the famine not happened. What if he'd have been in the far country and the father kept sending him relief? What if he'd have been in the far country and the father kept sending him $100 a week or $200 a week or $1,000 a week and the father kept supplying his needs and the father kept putting up with him and kept giving to him in the far country? I dare say the prodigal never would have come back home. Oh, preacher, you know, we don't want to do decisions like that, preacher. Oh, we know they're living a, a lifestyle that is not pleasing to God, but we're just going to keep doing everything we're, we're, we've been doing. We're just going to keep giving them our money. We're just going to keep giving them this and giving them that. No, you're fueling sin is what you're fueling. Amen. If you know somebody's on drugs or you know somebody's uh, living a lifestyle like that, you can't fuel it and expect God to work. Amen. You know why a lot of prodigals have never come home? Because you've never stopped supplying their addictions. Yeah. Oh, preacher, they're shacked up, but you know, we're just going to move them into our house. No, you're feeling the problem. They're not going to get right when you let them shacked up move in your house. Amen. Oh, preacher, you don't understand. You know, I still want to have a relationship with my children. I want you to as well. But you can't fuel their addictions and fuel the far country and supply their addictions and supply their sin and expect them to ever get back home. You're praying one thing and living another. It ain't going to happen. The father let him have what belonged to him. And the father let him go. Father, you no doubt, and I believe the context shows it was expecting that return. But the father knew the only way he's going to come back, he's going to get to the end of himself. I talked to a dear lady this past week. She said, preacher, she said, my I'm, I'm delivered out of addiction. She was sitting back here talking to him. She said, preacher, I, I've been delivered out of addiction and, and all the things that went on. She said, but I'm struggling. She said, because this family member and that family member, and she said, even my own mother, she said, it's still on that stuff. 
She said, I'm struggling with what to do because my mom's on it. And I, I, I know what the Bible says, but yet my mom's on this. And if I get around my mom, I'm going to be back on that stuff. I said, you honor her from a distance. You honor her from a distance. I'm telling you, you cannot be around that stuff. You cannot feel that stuff. You cannot put yourself in those situations and expect God to work. You're going to keep buying them beer, don't complain if they're drunk. You're going to keep giving them narcotics, don't complain when they're addicted. You're going to keep giving them all the lasciviousness and covetousness of the flesh. You're going to keep giving them all the stuff. You're going to give them all the protective devices. Don't get mad when they're interested in illicit sex outside of marriage. When they're interested in things you'll not be interested in, if you're going to supply the habit, don't expect them to come back home anytime soon. That father understood that famine was a work of God to get them back home. You know what me and these people are going to face in their life? A famine. There was a famine of his fun. All of a sudden, all of his, all of his fun run out. Oh, he was living it up in the far country. As long as he was dishing out money, you could... Thank you for listening to Leading the Way. We would like to invite you to our services at Brooklyn Baptist Church. Our Sunday school is at 9.45 a.m., morning worship at 10.45 a.m., and our evening worship is at 6 p.m. Wednesday night worship is at 7 p.m. The church is located at 8449 Paris Bridge Road in Chesney, South Carolina. If you would like to correspond with us, please do so by writing to this address. If you would like more information about our church, or to watch one of our services live, please visit our Facebook page, Brooklyn Baptist of Chesney, or our website, brooklynbaptistchurch.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you have a blessed day.